It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up-to-date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you've been well over the past couple of weeks. The Super Bowl weekend is now officially behind us, and it's time to begin our offseason schedule and our annual State of the Franchise series. So today is the State of the Chicago Bears offense, and to help me discuss where this unit currently stands after the 2018 season and now in the early portions of 2019 in the offseason. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, have you been? Any personal news worth sharing on the pod this week? So I've been been pretty good, just getting back into the flow of things at work because we had like two snow days last week with the extreme cold weather we had. But uh, I just actually signed up for grad school classes, so really excited about that. Kind of disappointed, though. We didn't get to talk about the Super Bowl and everything. I was really disappointed by the whole entire spectacle that is the Super Bowl. But other than that, I've been pretty good, man, and staying busy. How about yourself? Not too bad. I feel like crazy weather is just happening no matter where you look. Like you said, it was really cold. Even down here in Bloomington, Indiana last weekend, it was like down in the negative 20s. Uh, we've had since then two days in the 60s. Today it rained all day. We had a tornado. It, it We've had some flash flooding going on. It's crazy, really. It is. No matter where you look, the weather is just messed up. Uh, but real quick, Nick, something I noticed a few hours ago while I was kind of getting the YouTube stuff set up is that we're about 100 subscribers shy of 5,000. So if you're listening here on YouTube, Help us out if you haven't subscribed to our channel just yet. And Nick, I was thinking, once we reach that 5,000, we need to do something fun here on just YouTube, not the podcast, but on YouTube. And I thought about doing like, you know, just a random 
you know, ask me anything. We can have, we can just sit on here, you, me, and Brandon, and have our subscribers there in the live chat, just ask them some like, you know, real time questions. Is that something that you would be down for? Definitely. It would be, it'll be interesting to see what kind of questions we do get because it'll be live and everything like that. But I think it would be a great time. A uh, bunch of our listeners obviously love coming on YouTube, being in the chat, and just being able to ask these questions live. Be a great experience. I'm so, I'm all for it. And one more thing too, you just completed about a week ago now, and it's can't believe time's just flying by here in the off season. As much as it feels like it's dragging, it's actually going pretty quick. Uh, but you just completed a very awesome map of a bunch of our listeners, at least via social media, finding a way to reach out to us, letting us know where they reside in the world. Uh, do you want to let our listeners know exactly about that and where they can find it? Yeah, so uh, it was just a, a long process, really, just kind of getting everybody to comment on the one tweet and then it was on facebook and uh also on instagram but we just compiled all these uh different places on a map and you could just go to chicagoaudible.com just under articles uh it's gonna be pretty recent it's uh like you said just a week ago now but you could see where all of our fans are at and just doing you know making this map it was just surprising i never thought we would have people in israel or in japan and you know Europe is huge, especially the UK, where there's just tons of fans everywhere. So it was really interesting to see. But definitely check it out if you haven't. Uh, there's You can definitely go on Twitter and check it out. But ChicagoAudible.com, the map is on there. And you'll just be able to see where everybody is from. And it's pretty incredible. A lot of support from Brazil, which surprised yeah, me. Something we didn't know uh, before this project. And it's kind of eye-opening to see. Did we have what? Do we have six of the seven continents? Are we just miss or five of the seven? We're missing five of the seven. Yeah, Africa and Antarctica. Yes, sir. So I mean, Africa and Antarctica. You got to step your game up. Got to you know find a good Bears podcast, and this is the one for it. So for all you penguins out there in Antarctica, help <laughs> us out. But uh, how about this? Because you know it is a little bit difficult for some people to navigate websites, especially if they don't go on their site a lot. So by the time this podcast publishes and you listen to it, just go to chicagoaudible.com/map, and I'll set up a redirect so it goes straight to our map. That way you don't have to go digging for it. So definitely check it out. It's really cool. A lot of people, especially throughout our social media channels, have really enjoyed that. It's really good work there by Nick by you know undergoing such a massive project. That was <laughs> it was difficult to sift through all the mentions. We had over like six hundred within a few hours of just even tweeting it out. But let's get back on schedule here and let's get going. And if you're wondering at home, what does a state of the franchise episode entail? Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Well, pretty much we're going to break down each position with today's focus being on the Bears offense and explain each position, position strength, its weaknesses, what grade we're going to give them for 2018, and just much more, including the level of need for each. And we'll even play a game to determine uh, which upcoming free agent should receive a new contract in Chicago and who should be shown the door. So we're going to be doing that here about halfway through the show. So honestly, in short, we're just going to analyze each position and explain where they currently stand and how they can be better next season, because obviously that's the goal here in Chicago. So it's time to take a hard look at the Bears offense that finished 2018, 21st in yards per game, 9th in points scored, 21st in passing, 11th in rushing, 11th on third down, and 11th in red zone efficiency. So in a lot of ways, the Bears were just outside the top 10 in a lot of these key categories. But let's go ahead and begin at quarterback. 
And luckily here, I don't envision much change in position for obvious reasons. One being Mitchell Trubisky, our Pro Bowl quarterback, coming off a strong start in his first season. And Matt Nagy's offense is obviously expected to take a jump in not just his third year in the league, but now his second in the same system in the NFL. So, Nick, before we kind of look too far forward, let's kind of take a step back between Trubisky and Chase Daniels' two starts. What grade are you going to give the Bears quarterbacks for 2018? You know, and this was a, a position where there were some up and down moments throughout the entirety of the 2018 season. Sometimes you would see Mitch just light up a defense and others look, you go to the Rams game when he's coming off an injury um, and he didn't play so well throwing those three interceptions. But it's such an improvement from what we've seen at the quarterback play last year and just with previous quarterbacks. So I think this position, considering that um, Chase Daniel won a game and then Mitch Trubisky wins the NFC North in his second season. I'm going to give it a solid B. I think that there was definitely improvement from 2017 to 2018, especially in Matt Nagy's system, but there's definitely work that can be done to get into that A, A-plus range. We saw inconsistent play, like I said, but I think B is a good grade, and there's definitely, in 2019, there's room to just improve overall. Absolutely. I think I'm there as well. Like you said, there's a lot of things that really make you excited for Trubisky and his future. Uh, there were a few instances of growing pains, but I believe Matt Nagy said it best too when he believes Mitch, especially towards the end of the year, really started to show his progression in this offense. So now it's time for him to take some of those next steps. But what we saw in 2018 compared to what we saw his rookie year, you know, it was night and day. It was in a completely different quarterback. He played with confidence. He grew into himself. He grew not only as a player, but also a leader on this team. So I'm excited to see where he can take that and how he can kind of use this as a springboard forward. Uh, a lot of quarterbacks do take jumps and strides in year three. And I expect under Matt Nagy now being in the second year in the system, and not only just Trubisky being the second year, but the core around him, Nagy himself, as they kind of refine this offense, I, I just expect good things to happen. But looking at 2018, uh, I think the B is more than fair. I think it would be a little bit, you know, outrageous if we said any higher, like an A uh, just yet. Obviously, there's a lot of room to grow. But anything lower, too, would just be a little bit too harsh, too critical at this moment. So everything that he was asked to do, I thought he did for the most part, besides just a few circumstances from here to there. But there weren't any games or many games that really Trubisky was the reason why we lost. Uh, so for that reason, you have to give him at least the B here. But all right, so we have Trubisky, and of course behind him we have that intelligent backup in Chase Daniel, who I believe, for the most part, proved that he can step in in some spot situations and be effective, at least to the degree that you would want from a backup. So, Nick, I want to know, you're Ryan Pace this offseason. You're looking at your quarterback room. Uh, do you bring in competition for the backup spot? Is it simply keeping Tyler Bray around again this offseason and in training camp. Uh, I don't know if you want to put Chase Daniel on like any sort of hot seat right now because I believe he is a good mentor for Trubisky. But in the NFL, you're always striving to improve. And when you're not getting better, I think they said this in their last press conference, when you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And that's something that the Bears need to keep in mind, even though, and we're going to talk about it throughout the most of the show, the core is there. Yeah, the core is there, and I don't think the Bears need to necessarily bring someone to compete with Chase Daniel. That's his job going into the 2019 season. And like you said, he played admirably when he when he was asked to start uh, the two games. Uh, you just don't want to start off a game with a pick six like he did against the Giants. That's a no-no. But we've seen backup quarterbacks come in when the stars have gone down in the past, and it just has not been pretty. At least with Chase Daniel, there's a little bit of comfortability 
when you're watching the quarterback position. And, you know, he has a lot of grit to him as well. We saw him just battle through some injuries there, especially in the Detroit game on Thanksgiving. So I don't think the Bears necessarily need to bring somebody. You have Tyler Bray on that practice squad, but he's just a good guy to have around, a good locker room guy, especially for Mitch. He's still developing, and he's a guy that can is ultimately there to help him do that, help him grow from now year two to year three. So that's what he's there for. I don't think the Bears bring in anybody else to compete with him, and he's definitely going to be on the team in 2019. One of the fan questions that came in, and again, we're going to answer a good round of them to end off the show, but I'm going to sprinkle a few in here and there that I thought kind of would be uh, conducive to our conversation here. And one of them was about the likelihood of drafting a quarterback for Nagy to start to kind of groom. And I'm curious to your thoughts, like how likely is it? Is it not likely at all? Is it moderately likely? Is it, you know, a po- you know something that's positive uh, that could happen? What would you do? I, I feel like the Bears with their limited draft picks, I don't see them going quarterback right now. That might be a year or two down the road, especially if they have confidence that Trubisky can be the guy and they have confidence that they can have a veteran backup in place, no matter if it's Chase Daniel this year, someone else next year, or however the plan may be. Uh, what what do you think the likelihood is the Bears go for a young quarterback to groom to either have us that young backup or like some trade bait? So I don't think it's going to happen in this draft. Like you said, they do have limited capital with their draft picks for 2019. And I feel like they're comfortable where, where they're at at the quarterback position. Come 2020, where Chase Daniel is no longer under contract, you don't know where Tyler Bray, if he's still going to be on the team or not, if he gets picked up throughout the course of the season, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right now, I'm going to say that the Bears don't draft a quarterback in 2019, and really the limited amount of draft capital is the main reason why. Um, but 2020, that's a whole different story. So I'm going to say no for right now. All right. Yeah, I'm a, like I said, I'm kind of along the same lines there, but Moving forward, and for fun's sake, uh, give me your way too early expectations for Mitch next year. Because, again, like I said, Mitch, I believe he's going to take that step, but we're way too early in the offseason. We don't even know who his playmakers are going to be. We do for the most part. You just never know who's going to get sprinkled in uh, between now the draft and free agency and how we they kind of look start training camp in uh, late July, early August. But as of right now, you're sitting here, what, the first week of February? What are your expectations for Mitch in his uh, third year in the NFL? You know, honestly, what he did in 2018, his second year, you know, first year with Matt Nagy, and he he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. He was, even though I've said what I've said about him being a Pro Bowl quarterback, but he did play well. There are times where he's able to dissect defenses, know where the ball should go, throw with velocity and conviction. I think you sh- you should expect even bigger things from Mitch Trubisky in year two of Matt Nagy's system. You saw what Patrick Mahomes did in his second year. Not saying that Mitch Trubisky is going to go out there and throw 50 touchdowns. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. But I think instead of me questioning, it's not that Trubisky isn't a strength on this team, but I think quarterback in 2019 will definitely be the strength of the Bears offense come 2019 just because of the steps he'll take with just knowing the offense, having that comfortability with Matt Nagy, having an offseason with him going into the next season just having that chemistry with his playmakers. And like you said, we don't know who exactly they're going to be, but we have a pretty good idea. So I'm just expecting him, you know, yards-wise, touchdowns and turnovers, those interceptions, those 12 interceptions to go down, everything else go up. I really believe that because of, again, of who is the coach, Matt Nagy, the coach of the year, and just the culture that they have in, in, in Chicago right now. It's set up for Mitch Trubisky to succeed. They'll bring in more playmakers. There's going to be that chemistry moving forward. So I'm just expecting, I am expecting big things out of him. I can't give you number wise as to what those, you know, statistics are going to look like, but 
I think fans, everybody in Chicago should expect big things out of Trubisky in year three. Okay, let's have fun, though. Let's just have All fun. Right. It's February. It's February. Let's look at some of Mitch's stats between year one and year two. His completion percentage jumped from 59 to 66%. His yards went from 2193 to 3,200 yards. So he went from 21 to 32. Can he make the jump to, say, 43 passing, 4,300 passing yards next year? Let's say, oh, man, uh, 43, man. I'll give I'll give him four thousand. I think right. four thousand would be a good. I mean, if he gets four thousand, that's great, and the Bears are winning. Fantastic, forty three hundred. You know, that's I think a little a pushing it for me, but that doesn't mean that's not a good thing. Four thousand yard throwing uh, season. I'll, I'll take that any day. So yes, I'll take I'll give him the four thousand. All right, and then touchdowns. He had seven as a rookie, and as we know, last year he kind of broke out a little bit, more than tripled. He finished the season despite missing two games with twenty four passing touchdowns. I have a feeling with everyone being more on the same page, growing in this offense, that number should jump. Will he have over 30 next year? I think you can expect over 30, especially because running back right now, we'll probably get into is a little, little bit of a question mark for the Bears, I think. So, And there's just so many playmakers. Look, Anthony Miller was in his rookie season. And- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. He was able to catch seven touchdowns, lead, lead the Bears. So there is a bunch of different components on that offense that Nagy loves to use. And Trubisky's just going to learn how to identify these defenses, get the ball out quicker to his playmakers, and they're going to get into the end zone. That's what the Bears are going to do. So, yeah, I think you can definitely expect that 30, maybe 30, 30 to 35 range for, uh, for touchdowns for Trubisky. And, again, this is a way too early 2019 predictions. We're probably going to look back at this like, all right, maybe we're right. And, oh, God, we were way off. But that's, uh, that's all I'll give him for right now. Yeah, and then just well, I just want to kind of just prove how much he grew in some uh, aspects of his game. Like I said, his touchdowns more than tripled. Uh, and when you're looking at quarterback rating, it jumped almost 20 points and went from 77.5 as a rookie to 95.4 under Matt Nagy. And then his QBR more than doubled. It went from 31.6 to a 72.8. So no matter where you want to look at these numbers, uh, besides yards per completion, they both stayed at a, an impressive 11.2. Uh, throughout both of the years, exactly the same. So uh, no growth there, but that's still over <laughs> 10 yards per pop. We're not going to complain. But overall, Nick, you said it. Mitch next year, and Matt Nagy's alluded to this, if he can start to diagnose these defenses pre-snap, that's the next step. Because last year he was doing a good job of understanding the coverages, but the next kind of uh, hurdle is for him to see these coverages pre-snap and know what he needs to do before the ball's in his hands in order to exploit it. And that's the next kind of phase for Trubisky's development. We're going to kind of keep tabs on what reports come out of OTAs, training camp, if you can kind of take uh, some of these next steps towards uh, you know a even stronger year here in 2019. But I believe that you and I having confidence in him um, just kind of proves just how stable we are at this position for the first time in you know quite some while, really. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and stick to the backfield. Let's take a look at the Bears' running back situation because even though both Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen each had over 1,000 total yards, there are still questions surrounding the future of this position, in particular with Jordan Howard. I guess not much has really changed in a year. 
at least in this kind of regard. But Nick, I want to know when you're looking at the Bears running backs, like what's the strength of this unit? Do they even have a clear strength? Because when I was prepping for this show and I was trying to like dissect this spot, I don't know if I have a strength of the unit. There's a few things that each back does well. And by each, I'm going to say Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. We're not going to talk about Taekwon Mazel here in this kind of circumstance. <laughs> but they do a lot of things very good. But as a collective unit, I don't think they have a quote-unquote strength. Yeah, strength is a, an interesting question for the Bears uh, rushing attack. They finished 11th in, in the NFL in rushing yards, but they were 27th in yards per rushing attempt. So you see the the difference there in the how the rushing is being done. Uh, you know, Tariq Cohen, he has, he has versatility. That's what I would say his strengths are. So I have to go to individual as opposed to the entire group, but – he led the the Bears in receptions this year, I think, with 71. So he has that versatility as a runner when he is in the backfield or in the slot or in the backfield catching passes. So that's his strength as opposed to Jordan Howard now. If he hits a hole, yes, he can definitely get into the second level, run over a few people, but he doesn't have that second gear. And I think when I look at that, that's what I think is holding. And I hate to say this. I think that's what's holding this Bears running back or the position back. It's just what look Jordan Howard got better at pass catching but we didn't really see that this season we know he can potentially catch he didn't get those opportunities to and I wonder if Matt Nagy is just thinking well I don't know if he's the right guy for it so I know fans that love Jordan Howard I mean we love Jordan Howard here and he's uh, a great running back but it now it's just questioning does he really fit this offense so that's where I think that's why we're not finding a strength because if we had a guy like Jordan Howard that you could split out wide and you can maybe throw a pass to which we've seen a t- couple of times from Matt Nagy, he would split him out wide, but you knew he wasn't going to go out for a route or he'd come motion back to the backfield and just, it was not, it was like a decoy, but it really wasn't. So that's why I think there's not this true strength for the bears running backs. And I think Jordan Howard's holding him back, even though he's a great player, just not, I think the, the type that Matt Nagy's kind of looking for here in this offense. Yeah. It's interesting because you mentioned he worked on his hands a lot last offseason and early on in training camp, early on even in preseason and the regular season, he kind of proved that, yeah, I can be a receiver coming out of the backfield. And then that kind of fizzled out. And that's probably due to the fact that he wasn't really able to gain a lot of yards after the catch because he doesn't have, like you said, that second gear. When he's out there in the perimeter uh, with some of these safeties and the corners coming at him, they close in a hurry on Jordan Howard, whereas a Tariq Cohen, they can't, you know, they have a little bit less of a chance of catching him. They have to play back a little bit more because they respect his speed and his agility, his athleticism. With Jordan Howard, you know you can just kind of track him down and take him. I mean, that's just how he is. He's not he's a one-cut kind of back. And so when you bring him out there to open space, he doesn't have secondary moves to really make people miss besides a, perhaps a stiff arm. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you that maybe Jordan Howard is one of the uh, inhibitors of this offense, kind of holding them back just – a little bit, even though he did have over a thousand total yards this year, um, a lot of that did come late, um, which kind of begs uh, the question: Is that okay uh, if he comes on late in the year to have that established ground attack uh, with that big, powerful runner? But let's go into the mind of Ryan Pace here, Nick. What would you do with Jordan Howard? Because uh, again, you're starting to hear the rumblings of trade him, and this has been about since the scouting combine of last year. So, seriously, it's been about a year straight of off and on rumblings of. Should Jordan Howard be a Chicago Bear, or should we offload him to another team to either get some picks back or something along those lines? But he, just keep in mind, he is still very cost-friendly as he's still on his rookie deal. Uh, but I'd be curious, what would you do? Would you bring him back and still add talent, or would you look to trade him right now? 
Look, I just want the Bears to do whatever's best for the team. And you see a great team that is able to be and compete in Super Bowls year after year as the Patriots. They don't really ever commit to one player. Whatever they're going to do to for the betterment of the team, they're going to do it. So if the Bears think that Jordan Howard is not the guy, then do what you need to do. Trade him. Uh, get some picks back for him. I think right now – so I'm going to say that's what they're going to do. And that's what I think is going to end up happening. I don't think Jordan Howard's going to be playing for the Bears in 2019. Very early prediction, but that's just my gut. So that's what I think the Bears will do. I think if it helps their offense switch, and if you bring in a guy, um, you know, throw his name out there, you bring in a cream hunt, fits the offense. He does. Um, yes, there's baggage, but he does fit the offense. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I think that's what the Bears are going to do. They're going to find someone who can maybe use a back like that. Maybe the the Baltimore Ravens kind of had that old school type of offense. They need that power back, even though they already have one there at Baltimore. But he fits there. That's the kind of style of offense he does fit. So that's what I'm doing. Best move for the team. If that improves the team from a top 10 offense, maybe overall 15 to maybe, you know, in the top tier, you got to do it because ultimately if you don't win, you got to find ways to improve your team. And I think running back is a position where the bears can improve. I definitely agree with you. I would be cautious for the bears to make a move. And I believe Ryan Pace would do this correctly. But if I'm Mr. Pace, I don't make this move until I know for certain my plan, how to make it better. Because if you unload Jordan Howard, and then if you have a plan that falls apart, then you're in a much tougher spot than you were to begin with because there you still have, like I said, over a thousand yards to find a way to make up in this offense. And even though Tariq Cohen has, you know, unbelievable gifts, he's not going to be able to recoup all that by himself. He's going to need some help in this backfield. So yeah, again, if you're going to do it, do it right. I trust the bears. If that's the route they want to go, it would be kind of the kind of plan of action. They wouldn't want to make a move until they had a plan in place, or even if they already made their move first, if they brought in the guy and then you can unload Howard, something along those lines, I wouldn't do it until I knew for certain exactly how I was going to go ahead and fix the position. And even if you know, you're going to use your third round pick on a running back, that still kind of has me wary unless you have like a group of like five guys that you're comfortable there. Because if you have one or two and they somehow get drafted first, then you're SOL. And that's going to be another tough spot to be in um, as well. But speaking of Tariq Cohen, Nick, I'm curious to uh, your thoughts on his role in 2019 because uh, do you think it's going to grow bigger or about stay the same? He had 170 touches on offense. That's a little over 10 per game. Uh, So do you think it's going to stay? And on top of that, what's best for the offense? Yeah, so he had 99 rushing attempts and he had 71 receptions. So he's definitely involved in the offense way more than he ever was in 2017 in that previous offense. So good. There are steps in the right direction. Now I think it's more so trying to get, and it was pretty balanced. It, it really was. But I think um, if you can get Tariq Cohen the ball more as actually a runner, because I think he just has that quick lateral ability to where, look, he's not a natural receiver. He isn't, but he does have those traits. But you do have weapons at the wide receiver position that you have to get the ball to. So I think if you can line him up and whoever the for the starting running back is beside him and have him in the backfield, both of them, that leaves – defense is just guessing so I think his role would be to get for 2019 maybe get a little bit more touches and the receptions down a little bit and have those receptions actually go to the wide receivers look if if one game uh the game plan is look we're going to exploit this matchup against the linebackers that's going to be in the passing game and Tariq Cohen's going to be the guy to catch the balls perfect 
But I think that's where maybe the next step is. Maybe give him a little more, more rushing attempts because when he gets to the edge, there's not a lot of people in this league as fast and athletic as people are that can really stay with him. He's one of the faster players. So I think giving him a little bit more touches in the rushing game is going to be best for this offense. Yeah, I get tough on it because, again, there's only so many touches to go around. And if the Bears yeah. improve on third down and if they hold the ball more than like kind of where we're thinking that offense is going to be heading, then you will have those touches. You're going to have those extra plays to kind of divvy it up. Um, but we did see a few times last year when teams want to take away Tariq Cohen, they can. And that's a little bit bothersome as well. So, again, if you don't have a plan in place to improve over Jordan Howard, at the very least, you bring Jordan back because – Again, if he can't get any better, there's no reason to just unload him for additional picks. So uh, I know we had a lot of questions about Jordan Howard and his future, a lot of questions about uh, Kareem Hunt. We've talked about him a few times on the podcast now. I don't think there's it's really worth taking time to dedicate to talking about Kareem Hunt until something happens. If it happens, we'll talk about it. If it doesn't, maybe we'll talk about it. Who knows? Um, but, Nick, you talked about uh, the Bears and how you want them to potentially improve this position. So I want you to quantify it just a little bit for us. On a scale to 1 to 10, uh, what's going to be your current level of need at running back? So I was just ranking the positions in general, running back, uh, tight ends, and this is actually number one for me. I think they need to go get somebody else. And so I... I'm like I said, I'm expecting Howard not to be here. So that's where why I'm expecting them. That's why I have this as number one, uh, where I want the Bears to just get somebody else, whether it's a draft, whether it's Hunt. Somebody I think needs to come into this running back position and kind of bring Matt Nagy's offense to where he he actually envisions it. Because we Kareem Hunt was the number one rusher just a year ago. We we had some good productivity from both the rush the the running backs, but like I said, that 27th in yards per attempt. That's not where you want that rushing attack. You want to be able for defense to not know what you're going to do and be able to run effectively. So, I, I mean, that's that's what I have on that. I think they just bring in somebody. I honestly do. So you're telling me, after all this conversation, I guess the only takeaway I'm going to have is Ryan All coming off the practice squad isn't going to be the long-term answer? Actually, it's Taquan Mizell. What are we really talking about here? Oh, well, yeah, no, it's uh, not going to be them. I know we've gotten some questions actually about when are they going to be bring Ryan Null, you know, in here. I'm like, well, probably never. Just in my head, I never actually reply. But yeah, it's not going to be Null. It's not going to be Mizell, and I don't think it's going to be Howard. All right. Well, these are of course our February takes, and we'll see exactly how <laughs> things kind of shape up here after free agency, the draft. Um, but yeah, uh, it it does appear that. Regardless of what happens, uh, they're going to need to improve and add to the talent pool here at the running back position. Regardless of Howard stays or go, I think they would. it would be an oversight to really not find a way to get better, add talent, even if it needs to be um, a more well-rounded third running back on this roster compared to, to someone like a Mizell or a Cunningham, someone in that role uh, to kind of have in that grooming kind of stage. That might be an area that they kind of go as well, but up next, we're going to talk about the Bears wideouts, but first, just going to call a quick timeout to tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can just be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust, and that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being at 
either a Chicago Bears game, a concert of your choice, any other sporting event across the country in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, there's a lot of reasons why I like SeatGeek, and since we haven't been on for a couple of weeks, I just want to remind you that one of my favorite things to do is to combine two of their features. Number one, Set your max budget. That way you're never looking at tickets that you can't really afford anyway. And then number two, you can sort those by best value. That way you can definitely verify and guarantee yourself that you're getting the best seats that fit your budget. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And I was actually, you know, of course we have the CT gaps on our phones, our devices. And I was looking at a few games for uh, the Indiana Hoosiers for basketball down here in Bloomington. I don't get student pricing anymore. So anytime I can find a good deal, even if they had a really rough month here, uh, I think they lost about five, six, seven straight on uh, who's keeping score at home. Um, I'm still trying to look for some of these tickets uh, just to get to the game, have some fun here in town. But really, no matter where you're at, Seekeek, uh, they definitely have the tickets for you. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $10 off that first Seekeek purchase. Just- How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Earl Soldewitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We're here for the state of the franchise. We're focusing on the Bears' offense this week, telling you the ins and outs of every single position as we start to lay down the offseason blueprint as we kind of want to get a plan in place before some of these important things come up, like the scouting combine in a couple weeks, the opening of free agency, albeit there's not a ton of cap room to play with this week. It's okay. We have Khalil Mack. And on top of that, the NFL draft coming up soon after that. So, of course, before any of that happens, we need to have our own house in order, our own plan in place, and that's what we're doing here today. And it's time to move on towards the Bears' wide opposition, a unit that was completely overhauled last offseason. They brought in Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and they drafted Anthony Miller. Those three made an immediate impact. They combined for 155 catches for 1,865 yards. Yet, I feel like that unit still has plenty of more room to grow. So, Nick, simple question, complicated answer time. How can the Bears' wideouts get better? Do you think that they have the talent necessary uh, to succeed and the continuity uh, to kind of grow in 2019? Or do you look to add more talent? I know we're always looking to add more talent. Um, I guess, I mean, bring in talent that could maybe contest or touches over those three. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things that the, these wide receivers can do to get even better in 2019. One, just being there in that off season, just building that chemistry with Mitch. Look, Mitch and these wider, this wide receiver group, came in, they all came in and now had to learn a new offense, had to learn the chemistry of the timing on routes, all these things. Well, now you have an off season to kind of just grow and develop and just get better. So that's what the bears are definitely going to do. And you'll see that on the field in 2019, just the timing of things. And I think at, in the, especially in the beginning of the season, timing wasn't there. 
There were times where people weren't running the right route or, um, you know, just the timing was off where Trubisky was throwing a pass and maybe the receiver's not out of the break yet. So that's definitely going to help. And another thing, these wide receivers, even though uh, they had a great season, they did a far better job than 2017's group. I can't even, yeah, I, I'm not even going to go into that. But they did get a, a little banged up here and there at times throughout the season. Uh, Allen Robinson had to miss a couple of games. We know with um, Miller and his shoulder, Gabriel had to leave a game. You know, Josh Bellamy was the most healthy receiver there every single game. So even though he has gotten better, you don't want him to be the guy that's, uh, you know, the most healthy. So just health at that position is going to be huge going forward to establish that continuity and just the overall chemistry of the entire group. But they just have to keep doing what they were doing last season, getting open for Mitch, um, being in the right spot at the right time. And I think Allen Robinson, you saw what he did against the Eagles, just taking over a game. We didn't really see that throughout the entirety of the 2018 season until that last game. Well, if you can get him going like that, that's going to open up the door for everybody else. And Anthony Miller, a rookie, being able to have those seven touchdowns, you know, most on the team. Look, that's his first year. You can only think he's going to get better. So was Taylor Gabriel. But this is a unit that has a lot of potential. And, you know, last season was just, you know, that was the floor, I think. Honestly, so this this next year, 2019, who knows what this group is going to do, but I'm only expecting great things. Yeah, it's like Matt Nagy said in his press conference a few weeks ago. Uh, it, I, it was for Trubisky and as well as the skill guys. I think receiver definitely plays here that they mastered 101 because he talked about this time a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago now. Uh, they were just kind of getting to know one another, learn a brand new language, figure out how all the pieces work. And then by the time OTAs roll around here in a few months again, they're going to be able just to pick off exactly where they left off, take it to the next kind of sophomore level here. And I think, like you said, last year is kind of figuring out what works, what doesn't work, uh, not just collectively, but also individually, what routes receivers run best, how do they continually get open, how can you tailor the plays to find the scheme them open, those sorts of things. And I believe with a year to kind of stew on it, self-scout, and the players uh, have more confidence in the system as well, themselves, the coaches. Like you, Nick, I believe that these three can definitely even have their impact raised because, like I said, the numbers are good. 165-plus catches for 1,800 yards. I forgot to add up the touchdowns, silly me. Like you said, Miller had seven. We can add them up on the fly. But it was enough to get the job done last year. But I do believe that in order for this offense to take the next step, you have to find a way to put a little bit more of the load on these receivers from time to time because there were games where you'd have uh, Tariq Cohen, of course, he led the team receptions, but being your leading receiver overall. And when that happens, and the next one's Trey Burton, and you're looking at your wideouts like you know three, four, five in the pecking order, that's not really sustainable for long-term success. And you need to find ways to have your receivers carry the majority from time to time and then have your tight ends and your running backs kind of be supplements to the passing game, not the other way around. But I do believe that 2019 is the year that they can definitely – get that done. And there are two impending free agents at the position, Kevin White and Josh Bellamy. And yes, we're going to go ahead and kind of determine their fate soon. But obviously that does kind of leave a void on the roster. No, Either if they keep one or the other or both or none, regardless, there's going to be a void. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But what are your thoughts on Javon Wims taking his I'm going to say a mostly redshirt rookie year. He did play from time to time, but mostly a redshirt year um, to not only really fill one of those spots, but excelling in this offense to some degree in 2019. 
Yeah, he had some big minutes in that Minnesota game where he's, you know, running this out route. Mitch Trubisky's trusting him to be there, and he's able to catch uh, some passes, convert the chains. I like Javon Wims' uh, chance of being more productive in 2019 because, like you said, he didn't get much of an opportunity, but when he was in there, he looked good. He really did for a seventh-round draft pick, and Kevin White's out. I'm sorry. I just kind of spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Brandon's not <laughs> here, but that's that's already uh, a given. But with Javon Wims and there being an opening, I, I'm expecting the guy, especially being a seventh-round pick, trying to just prove himself in this league, he's definitely going to make strides in the right direction to get more playing time in 2019. So I'm I'm happy about that. But I still think that, um, you know, with uh, J- uh, Joshua Bellamy being a free agent, and we just talked about Kevin White, they will add somebody else. There will be somebody else, I think, in that wide receiver room to where maybe it's like a Javon Wims, where he's not going to get much playing time, but just develop. So I do like his chances of being more productive in 2019 for sure. Yeah, because when Javon came out of Georgia, and a lot of the talk was he's raw, he's still new to football, even though he was leading the team on that really big season that they had down there in the SEC. But I never saw it. Even in training camp, even in preseason, he never looked raw. He never looked like an unfinished product. He looked like a, you know, a a young kid with a lot of potential who started to show glimpses of it from time to time. I'm thinking of that third preseason game against the Chiefs with that, you know, great route to get open in the corner of the end zone. His ability to go get the balls along the sideline to go up and fight for those contested balls. So for me, Javon Wims, even though he's raw still, as they're calling him, if this is his raw form and you have another year to polish him up, he can be a very sturdy wide receiver four on this roster. And when you're looking at the other guys, Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller in particular, not a lot of size. And Javon Wims brings that size factor a little bit to what I think that's maybe what the group was missing last year because Allen Robinson was like your only guy over 6'1". So when you have that, it makes it a little difficult to really push the ball down the field, even though we found ways to do it. But if you have a John Devon Wims who can be that red zone threat, but also that guy who can either catch over the middle of the field as a big target for Trubisky or even down the sidelines, because he has some good speed as well, he may surprise some people next year. I don't know exactly where his numbers rely because there's a lot of talent on this offense, which by God, it feels great to say that here in February, that there's already talent here. Uh, so I would be excited to see where how things kind of shuffle. But regardless, I expect him to have a very serviceable role next year. And if he can find ways to be valuable on special teams, that's just going to help his chances of being on the active game day roster every Sunday. And if he's doing that, if Matt Nagy is going to find ways to give Taquan Mazel touches in the game, he's going to find ways to do it to Javon Wims as well, which I believe is going to be beneficial to this offense. Now, real quick, there was a fan question about the receivers. I wanted to throw it in here. It comes from Kyle on Twitter. And Nick, I'm going to have you kind of to begin. I'll kind of throw in my two cents here as well. But which receiver do you see having uh, the greatest increase in impact in 2019 and also perhaps the greatest decline? Hmm. Interesting. So, him, man, greatest increase. I think, I mean, we saw what Anthony Miller did as a rookie, but man, he has a talent. If, you know, given a full healthy season, he could just take over. I don't think there's not a lot of guys that can actually stay with him one on one when he's running routes. He's such a great route runner, and that's why he's going to succeed in this league. So, I think he has the biggest increase. You know what? I'm going to go with Taylor Gabriel for, for the opposite end of that question. I wasn't look, I wasn't expecting him to actually have the season that he did where I'm trying to find the numbers here. He had 67 receptions. I wasn't expecting that. He didn't do that at all and up until that point in his career. And yes, he was on some talented teams in, you know, Atlanta and started off with the Browns, but I wasn't expecting that. 
But I do think with Anthony Miller getting more production in 2019, like I'm anticipating, Taylor Gabriel gets a fewer receptions, but still has those big plays. That's what he needs to do in this offense. As long as he's getting those the deep shots and is able to take the top off the defense, perfect. That's what you brought Taylor Gabriel in to do. So that's how I see it kind of going. Anthony Miller on the uptick, uh, Taylor Gabriel down, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's having a bad season. Fewer receptions, but still the big plays. You're still having uh, what you want out of a Taylor Gabriel. Crazy. You took it right out of my mouth because I was like, you know, Anthony Miller with a shoulder he can be confident in. Only good things can happen from that because he had, like you said, he led the team in touchdowns, and since week three, he played with a bum shoulder. So imagine what he can do healthy. Exciting. And there's no other word for it. And then on the flip side, like you said, Gabriel had such a, an impressive year that blew all expectations out of the water. I believe in our season preview magazine, we had him for less than 40 catches for the year. Yep. Uh, so for him to, to exceed so high and with us kind of believing touches are going to kind of get divvied up slightly different next year, I believe that it's just a matter of not just not looking away from Taylor or Taylor having a, you know, a decrease of overall ability. He's one of the older receivers on this team, but he's not old by any means. He's still fast. He's shifty. He's athletic, but I just believe the the touches are going to just get divided slightly differently. So he's going to get less looks, but I anticipate him to still make uh, the most of his opportunities. Um, so maybe he will kind of maybe drop down to that 45 catch range to 50 catch range. Uh, where was he at this year? It was in the sixties, right? I don't yes, have he had where you at Taylor Gabriel, you had uh, man, 67 receptions. Yeah. So like I said, was not expecting that. Yeah. I anticipate him dropping to like the 45 to 50 range, have the other balls go towards an Anthony Miller, who even though he had a lot of touchdowns, he wasn't getting consistent looks, consistent targets. And then of course, like I said, Javon Williams, if he can grow into a bigger sustainable role in this offense, it just makes sense. And if you bring in another running back, like we talked about, that's more of a receiving threat. It, it's just a matter of, again, you have a whole pie and you only can divide it in so many different ways. So I agree. I think, Miller is the one who has the best potential to increase his role, and Gabriel, not by any fault of his own, has the biggest chance of having his role decline. If you're looking at an Allen Robinson and his role declines, we have a problem. Same thing with Anthony Miller. I think Gabriel's the one that you can live with having a smaller role next year. So, fingers crossed, it ends up being the actual case. But real quick, Nick, any way-too-early expectations? I'm just going to keep it wide open. Uh, do you believe that you're going to see a big jump out of this unit? I, I believe uh, with everyone being, again, in the system for a second year, and I'm sorry if I sound like I'm just beating you know a broken drum here, but it's just going to really make things so much easier for everybody involved. And if Trubisky's going to have the jump that we expect, a lot of it's going to have to come from the wideouts as well. Yeah, so just a way-too-early expectation, I think um... – Allen Robinson, he has a – look, he, we know he's been a 1,000-yard receiver, but 2019, I expect him to get those numbers. Um, look, he doesn't have to have all the receptions to really do that because he's such a uh, good wide receiver getting open that he's just going to make the most of his opportunities. So I really expect him just – I mean, that game against the Eagles was really encouraging. See, even though it was a rookie corner, yes, it was, but you saw him burn him bad on double moves, getting behind the defense. He was that go-to receiver. That mentality, he definitely has that within him, but just way too early expectations. Won't put it on the crew, but just for Allen Robinson, I definitely expect him to get those thousand yards. Wasn't really expecting it come this season, but next season, uh, you know, just in the second year of Matt Nagy's offense, I really do expect him to get those thousand yards. Cool. You're gonna speak for me. That sounded good. I'm just gonna I'm just <laughs> gonna hit cosine and we're gonna move on to tight ends. And I'm gonna be honest to kick off this position. Uh, this was perhaps the unit that let me down the most last year on offense because we talked about all the talent that they had throughout the offseason and training camp, 
And I really thought we were going to see more of an impact outside of Trey Burton. And I do believe that Trey answered the biggest question last year. And we're not going to get into him missing Eagles game today. I mean, that's, I'm not going to really speculate on that all too much. But he answered the biggest question. Coming from Philadelphia behind Zacherts, can he step in and fulfill starter role duties? And he did that. But I believe the rest of the unit, Deion Sims, Adam Shaheen, Daniel Brown, Ben Broniker, they left a little bit more to be desired than I really thought they would entering the year. So, Nick, I'm curious. What would you classify as the tight end's biggest strength and the unit's uh, biggest vulnerability as it currently stands, and you cannot say Deion Sims. <laughs> I will not say Deion Sims, but look, uh, the tight end group, like you were saying, I was I was expecting more out of this group. I think the strength of this off or this this position is Trey Burton right now because that's the only guy that you could say, look, we we had some good uh, productivity from him specifically. Look, Ben Broniker at times, but you had an Adam Shaheen where. The guy ends up with five receptions, 48 yards, and a touchdown. This is a second-round pick. This is second year. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. There's just question marks for me with him. So I think the strength is that Trey Burns, a tight end that can run a multitude of routes. It can be put in the backfield. It has a lot of versatility to him. That's why he's on this team. And proving himself is encouraging for the Bears because, look, this is what you paid him to do. And he was able to do it. I think there were times in spurts throughout the season where he, we weren't seeing enough of Trey Burns. So I think the strength is Trey Burns himself. Now, the weakness is everything else. Because what do we actually have in the tight end group other than Trey Burton? We don't know. We can't say we know what Shaheen is. We just can't. He hasn't been on the field long enough. He hasn't produced on the field to say something. We know that Deion Sims is not, not really any value. We know that Daniel Brown is a guy that was once a wide receiver can catch. He didn't have a catch last season. Ben Broniker contributes on special teams. So there's a lot of questions with this tight end group. And when I was looking, you know, just preparing for the show, I'm like, okay, Trey Burton, uh, okay, Trey Burton. So it was just a weird way of kind of looking at this position because going into 2018, I'm like, this is going to be a group that just really contributes, is able to have production, you know, throughout the entirety of the position. Really, it came from one guy. Yeah, when you keep five tight ends, I really thought you were going to have a little bit more. And again, I know Adam Shaheen's injury kind of, you know, changed that perhaps just a little bit. But yeah, I just thought we we're going to get more, not well-rounded production, because I thought it would be skewed towards Burton's favor. I thought he was going to, of course, lead the charge here. But like you said, an Adam Shaheen entering his second year in a very imaginative offense, I really thought that he was going to find a way to make much more of an impact. But again, one issue with Adam Shaheen, he can't stay healthy. And when he does... You don't know exactly what you have in him. Uh, he's been that guy who can catch those one-yard touchdowns, albeit he gets injured on those one-yard touchdowns because he doesn't know how to fall and protect his body. And I'm not trying to be harsh on the guy. Um, I understand he's entering his third year, but as a Bears fan, it's been frustrating to watch because he was a second-round pick. He was someone that, even though he came from a small school, Ryan Pace kind of sold us on as has a ton of potential and will find a way to unleash it. Nick, do you have any confidence or are you holding out any hope 
that that light bulb can finally go off in his third year here? I'm going to have hope that it does because Pace moved up to get Adam Shaheen. I don't know if people like don't remember that, but he did move up to get him. The guy, Ash, Ashland, right? Is that is that mm-hmm. the place? Ashland? So you're hoping because that is a second-round pick. That's a guy that you envision would be productive in your offense, especially considering that Matt Nagy is now here. So I'm really hoping that he does turn out to be the player that they envision because if not, well, that could be a draft need maybe come this draft, but definitely the next draft because you can't just have Trey Burton. You can't, especially in the offense that just uses – that was supposed to use tight ends as well as, you know, any offense in the league. So I think uh, for Bears fans' sake and for Shaheen's sake, he should – he better have a good 2019 season. If not, well, who knows how much longer he's going to be on the Bears. All right, one more question on tight ends. There's a few ways I can go about this here, but – I'll just I'll phrase it like this. Who do you want on the depth chart? Uh, would you be comfortable again with a Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Ben Broniker, and Daniel Brown if you just say you let go of Deion Sims this year? Would you be fine with those four? Or are you still trying to look for that extra backup who can end up being a role player? Because Adam Shaheen, even though we are griping about him as a receiving tight end, it should be noted, and we talked about it on the podcast in season, ever since he came back from injury, that's when the running game kind of opened up. And I understand that he doesn't need to be the end-all, be-all receiver at the position. But that's what they sold us on. They said he's a great receiving tight end who needs to learn how to block at this level. And it somehow flipped, And which kudos to whoever taught him how to block. But we need to find a way to have him uh, be productive as both a receiver and a blocker. But would you be fine with those four, or do you look for someone else? I'm fine with those four. I really am. I think Daniel Brown should have gotten a little bit more playing time. There's at least a reception on the season. I think he's capable of that. We've seen that in games, especially last season when, when Zach Miller went down. It was, you know, a little bit of Ben Broniker and Daniel Brown kind of taking taking the load for that position. So I, I am fine with those four uh, making the uh, – being the depth chart there and uh, hopefully Adam Sheen's just able to contribute. It re- I think that's what it all comes down to. If he's able to contribute, then you're good at tight end. You really are. But we just have to let it let it happen, really. And it just hasn't happened to this point. All right. I'm going to call that for tight ends. Uh, I, we do have to talk about both Ben Broniker and Daniel Brown here coming up in our segment that I honestly we don't even have a name for it still. I don't want to call it what we <laughs> have in the past. Couldn't think of anything better, so I'm going to probably suck it up at the end unless I have a eureka moment uh, within the next five minutes. So uh, stay tuned for that. But let's go ahead and talk about the big guys up front, the offensive line. It had itself a very stable season. Uh, due to both being relatively healthy all year, besides Kyle Long, and of course Harry Heastan coming in and taking that sound group and turning them into a very effective unit because honestly, we saw growth from every single player. We saw Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey take step forward. Massey even knew it earned, uh, earned a new contract. Uh, we watched James Daniels climb through the ranks as a rookie, end up becoming a solid starter at left guard. And of course, Cody White here, as we talked about on our award show, uh, end up fixing his snapping issues. So I think you get the picture. No matter who you are on that Bears offense, you found a way to get better compared to 2017. And obviously the hope is that kind of trend continues as we kind of march through 2019 as well. 
Now let's go ahead and start with Massey and his new deal because we haven't got to talk about that yet. And we didn't even know uh, when we talk about usually when we go through the, you know, say the franchises, we have to speculate for a few of these extensions and Pace decided, you know what, there's no reason to wait. We're just going to get this one out of the way now. So it's a five year, $40 million deal for the right tackle, even though the team can opt out without really much of a penalty after two seasons. It's kind of that Pace savvy kind of a way of, you know, front-loading some of these deals so that way they can get out when they believe the time is right. So, Nick, I know that Bobby Massey has been someone that we've been critical of in the past, but we have uh, shed light on his improvement last season. And I'm just curious about your thoughts on the contract because, obviously, there's always going to be with Massey, I would say, at least throughout the maybe the vocal minority of the fan base, a lot of negative opinions, even if he has grown. They just remember what they saw in 2015, 2016, uh, those sorts of things. Are you excited to keep him around, though, or does it even make sense to you? I'm just curious your thoughts on this extension. Obviously, Pace looked out there and decided that Massey's thing put was best for this team. You know, it was good for the team because had they not have done that, then look, you're spending your third-round draft pick on a right tackle, and you're asking him to start – uh, for your, you know, your quarterback who's supposed to make a huge leap in 2019. I'm not good with that. You give him that continuity there, Bobby Massey. That was, you know, um, when at first the contract came out, I'm like, man, Massey, you know, got a nice deal here. And then you see how the 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 contract was structured. Like you said, the Bears can get out when maybe two years down the road, if you know things just happen to go that way, and the Bears are not going to be uh with a with, I guess, the consequence with a lot of money being in, in dead cap. So that's good. It was team-friendly. He deserves it. His play has gotten better. Uh, I think it was the best move for the team as well, just because, like I said, you don't want to draft a rookie and have him just go out there and start. Massey has continuity with the rest of uh, you know the four offensive linemen. He played solid. Really, Actually, he played better than solid. He was good last season. He was. He didn't give up a lot of pressures, a lot of sacks. That's majority of the offensive line. But, yeah, I was I was happy with it. Thought initially you got too much money, but then the details came out. So it's a good contract for both sides, really. Yeah, I agree. Again, like like we said, the structure is friendly enough that you know it doesn't really make you uh, you know your heart palpitate uh, too much for spending that much money on Bobby Massey. But again, when you have a serviceable right tackle, even if you want to draft someone or you go into free agency to find a way to upgrade the position, that's no guarantee. And even though you have a great offensive line coach in Harry Eastand, there's no guarantee that whoever you bring in is going to be as plug-and-play as Bobby Massey was. So for me, I'm fine with this as well. Um, and again, I believe that continuity for this entire offense is going to do them a ton of good. But Nick, I'm curious to the offensive line, what do you believe they need to do to take that next step as a group? I do believe, again, just another offseason of working together, getting used to one another on the field. Um, if you're looking at specifics, I like to see them take uh, steps forward in their run blocking. I thought that left a little bit of room for improvement. Uh, as a pass blocking unit, they were one of the best in the league. Obviously, you hope that they can get better, but if they kind of stay at the, at the status quo from 2018, I'm not going to complain either. Yeah, so I think the majority of their work needs to be in their run blocking. But also another thing is when I was just watching tape, just kind of preparing for the show, seeing what they did well, what they didn't, I think – an area where this whole entire uh, offensive line can improve is when they get out in space on these screens or where they're asked to block guys and get to a space, a specific spot, just getting there and being able to, you know, stop your feet and actually make the block. There were a couple of times and uh, Massey who had a good season, but at times was not able to get out there fast enough when there's a screen pass and where Massey needs a block, the, the blitzer coming down. 
He just didn't get there. So this is just about technique, knowing where you're supposed to be on the field. And I think that can go for every single offensive lineman. Look, they're big guys. They really are. They're best when they're probably together. But they're going to be asked to go out in space, make a couple blocks downfield. And that's where an area where I think the Bears can improve upon. The Bears were, you know, as a screen team, I think they're okay. They could be better if the blocking is set up right to where now these these playmakers have a lane. They have a nice uh you know, open field can use their vision and, you know, just maneuverability to gain those extra yards. But I think that's where they can improve upon getting out in open space and just making the correct block. Great, great point. Because like you said, they have a lot of talent at all the skill positions and a lot of speed, but they definitely left a lot of yards on the table when it came to their screen game. And a lot of that comes to execution and overall blocking. So yeah, I agree. If they can get that fundamentally down and sound, the Bears can definitely use the screen game to uh, a very you know advantageous point uh, and degree next year because they have all the talent in the world to find a way to make that you know possible with a Tree Cohen, an Anthony Miller, a Taylor Gabriel. As much as you maybe get sick of the yards right behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage, it can work, uh, especially with guys with speed and athleticism like that. It's definitely a good point about that being one of the areas that we want to see improvement from 2018 to 2019 out of this group. And now, of course, the Bears... They now have their starting five under contract. And actually, I was looking at the numbers today, and I was a little bit uh, disgusted and also disappointed that Bradley Sell, he is making more than both Cody Whitehair and James Daniels next season. Just, that's how rookie contracts work. But, oh, that's a shame for those guys because Daniels and Whitehair are in the trenches, you know, each and every down all season long. And you have Bradley who, hey, he has some good dance moves. He's a versatile uh, lineman himself, but... It's a shame that he has to be making a little bit more than some of these, you know, guys who are playing 90% plus of the snaps all year long. Um, but they also have uh, re- tackle Willie Beavers and center Dejon Allen on contracts as well. Not a lot of holes here. Uh, do you anticipate the Bears making a lot or just a couple moves at offensive line? Obviously, they don't need to make a ton of moves. Uh, they'll be looking to bring in somebody, um, but I just feel like they're going to pick up a guy or two to maybe stick in on the back end of this roster, maybe a practice squad guy if they want to go the young route. Um, but overall, I don't really see them touching this position too much. You know, I kind of have a different perspective on that. I think they see – they they obviously – look, Kyle Long is fantastic when he's healthy. He, he went on IR again this season, and he did end up coming back, playing the last game and against the Eagles. But it's just another season where Kyle Long got hurt. I think they're going to look in the draft – Who's going to be our next right guard? He He's under contract until 2021. And I just don't see him making out the entirety of that contract. I just don't. So I think the Bears will look to draft the, you know, the replacement for Kyle Long. As, as sad as that's, that is, he does, he just can't stay healthy. I will say this though. This will be like one of the first, it, maybe going back to his like rookie season, or maybe when he was in the Pro Bowl consistently, where he doesn't have to have surgery in the offseason. He can actually go to training camp healthy and be on schedule for things that's great for Kyle Long but I do see them maybe in the draft getting somebody for the next right guard uh, just to plug and play there because like I said you just can't count on Kyle Long being healthy for the entirety of a season and to go back to uh, Bradley Sal making more money I mean that guy's in the end zone so I think you got to get paid for that and when you have moves like that you pay for those kind of things but I, I get your point. James Daniels and uh, Cody Whitehair definitely deserve more, and they will get those those contract extensions when the time comes. That's going to get real murky territory when those time comes, though. Like Cody Whitehair will be coming up here uh, very soon, and then, of course, we have a few more years on James. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Pace wheels and deals. But 
if you're doing that and you're looking for a Kyle Long replacement now uh, for the future, you're right. It does seem like it would be the time to get a guy in, get him coached up. Even if, hey, if Kyle's healthy of all 2019, fantastic. And if he's healthy for all 2020, great. And then you still have that guy waiting in the wings or he can be that young interior you know, utility man who can go from anywhere from left guard, center, or right guard. I mean, that could already be James Daniels for all we know. But, uh, I mean, depends on how they want to shuffle it up. But, yeah, I think if they are going to add to it, that would be kind of the case. If they want to draft someone, it's going to be an interior offensive lineman to kind of fill that void because uh, they have plenty of money at the tackle positions. I think they feel comfortable with their swing tackle situation as well. So if they do, definitely look inside. All right, so real quick, before we go to get to our game that I'm probably going to have to suck it up and call it what we did last year and the year before, which is fine. I just wanted to be more creative this year. Uh, a little self-pity party just for a moment on my end. But what's going to be your order of needs? You already, I already kind of alluded to it earlier, so I did back off those questions because, like you said, we did determine in our uh, pre-podcast kind of discussions to kind of have a hierarchy of needs. Uh, so what is going to be your hierarchy of needs in order? Yeah, so it goes running back at one. You have right. I have right guard at two. Wide receiver at three, and then tight end. Tight end is four right now. Um, yeah, just just seeing uh, the entirety of each unit. Think. The, oh well, obviously quarterback. I, I don't have it on this one. Um, just because I think that'll be something down the road. But that I think is how the Bears should approach this uh, running back. Like we talked about earlier, something that I think is going to ch- change something big there, especially with Jordan Howard drafting successor to Kyle Long. And then always can add playmakers at wide receiver. And we're just, we're going to weigh on Shaheen. 2019 is going to be a big, uh, big year for him. All right. For me, a little bit differently. I actually have tight end number one, just due to the fact that you only have right now under contract, uh, Trey Burton, Deion Sims, if he even stays on that contract. And then Adam Shaheen. Right now, you don't know if Broniker's coming back. You don't know if Sims is coming back. Technically, Zach Miller is up for a contract as well. So again, even though that's a different situation, just want to point out that you do have uh, three fifths of those people right now. Actually, three sixths, so half. Fifty uh, percent of your tight ends are up for a contract renewal, so that makes it a need by default. Um, I think talent-wise, if they retain who we believe they should, it's not as pressing of a need. But right now, in terms of holes on a roster. Uh, tight end kind of you know takes the cake here, and after that I have running back like we mentioned. You just add talent to it. Uh, interior of the offensive line is third, followed by wide receiver, and then like you said, quarterback. But the quarterback doesn't even really count here um, at this stage. But yeah, again, the, the interesting thing is compared to the last couple of years that we've done this. Right, this is our third time doing state of the franchise. This is the first time we're like eh, a piece there, a backup guy there, and we're in good shape. Every year prior, it's like, well, we need to overhaul this position and overhaul that position and bring in a bunch of new guys here. So I feel very comfortable where this offense is at in terms of a personnel standpoint. And, of course, I believe the same thing from a schematic stance as well. But just honestly, when we go through this, just tap yourselves on the back for being a Bears fan still, uh, getting through this, because (laughs) now when you're looking at this offseason, when you don't need to make a bunch of moves, it feels good. It really does. It's going to make for a very boring offseason with the podcast. But... Uh, that's a price that I'm willing to pay to have a very uh, deep and young football team, especially here on the offensive side of the ball. But all right, Nick, it's time for a game of pass or play. Can't get any more creative than that. <laughs> so this is where Nick and I are going to go through a list of nine players that are up for a contract renewal, and we're going to determine if we should pass on them, a.k.a. show them the door, or play them, a.k.a. bring them back here to Chicago. 
And number one, uh, we can just go ahead and pass through it. It is Kevin White. <laughs> uh, Nick, do you need to even say more? I think we can label Kevin a bust by now. Uh, we try not to use the B word on the podcast. He can end up going somewhere else and having a very nice career. But right now in Chicago, there's just not anything more than we can even, we can't ask him to do anything more. And it's just going to be best for both parties to move forward. Yeah, it's definitely a pass. The Bears already declined that fifth-year option. He would have made $13.9 million had they signed that. I'm sorry, Kevin White. You had that Hail Mary catch, and had you been one yard you know, further, maybe we're talking about a different story, but we're nice. not. Yeah, so I watch. I bet you ends up on the Patriots. Just going to say this right now, and he does some good things, but we're passing on Kevin White. You know, if he can go somewhere else and have himself a nice career, as long as he doesn't end up in the Hall of Fame someday, a perennial All-Pro who's going to the Pro Bowl ends up being a nightmare for us in the playoffs or something, then I'm okay with it. Let him. Yes. I mean, he's a very nice guy. He's someone who has dealt with a lot in his young career. So if he can get a fresh start and make the most of it, I wish him the best of luck doing so because, you know, I wish it would have worked out here in Chicago, obviously, when he was drafted with all the talent in the world, the size, the speed, the athleticism. Man, we were hoping so for so much more than what we got. Um, but that's life in the NFL. Sometimes you draft – uh, you know, a, I was going to say an Amari Cooper, but even he's having an up and down career so far. <laughs> uh, and sometimes you draft like a David Terrell. You just never know. And it looks like we got ourselves another David. So it's okay. Um, but we'll see what he can do somewhere else. But obviously here in Chicago, we're going to pass on Kevin White. Let's go to the next whiteout. Josh Bellamy, pass for play. I'm going to play Josh Bellamy. Every year, I think we are always on the fence and we actually lean towards, let's find a way to upgrade. I believe this year he proved his worth not only as a special team ace, but also a very sound guy who can step in and I don't say rare because it wasn't as rare as I thought it would be, but in select situations on offense and still find a way uh, to make his impact. So for me, you bring back Josh Bellamy on top of what he does on the field. You can tell that he really connects with a lot of the players and coaches on this team. And I think that goes a long way towards a culture that they want here. Uh, so Josh Bellamy, as crazy as it sounds, uh, bring him back. He's been sticking around. He's making himself a career here in Chicago. What about you? Yeah, I'm definitely playing Joshua Bellamy. And I just want to apologize for everything that I've said about him over the years, because every single year we're like, this guy is gone. There is no way he's coming back. He has stone hands. Well, he really changed that this year and good for him. I'm reading a book right now. It's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. And it's about, in a nutshell, you have the passion, hard work, and ability. You can do anything. Well, Bellamy, he really reminds me of that. He embodies those, those characteristics because he really has developed his game to where he can be a serviceable guy. No, he's not going to be a guy that's going to win one-on-one matchups. But at times, he does find open space. He may not get a lot of yak because he's just concentrating on catching the ball. But that's all right. He's not being asked to be one of the top wide receivers on our team. And he does such a great job on special teams. And like you said, great locker room guy. Seems like everybody there just loves him. Good for Joshua Bellamy. You're definitely playing him for next season. All right. What about Benny Cunningham? This one was interesting. And actually, I'm going to pass on Benny Cunningham. Um, just kind of looking at the snap counts from you know last season, Cunningham only had 37 offensive snaps. That's 3.44%. Our guy, you know, the number one maybe running back on this this team next year, Taquan Mizell. That is sarcasm for people who are going to be listening. Uh, 70 offensive snaps. He he saw the field more on offense than Benny Cunningham. And I, I don't know. I think maybe unless you bring him on another one-year, $1 million contract, I think that's what he had in 2018, 
I really don't know if the Bears have a spot for him. Yes, he contributes on special teams. That's where he had most of his value, uh, 249 snaps, which is 58%. That's where his value is at. But I think you just need a guy that you can also put on offense, which the Bears were reluctant to do and went with Taquan Mizell instead. So I'm going to pass on Benny Cunningham. You know, sadly, for the sake of argument, and that's why I wish Brandon was here on the podcast, and maybe we had a few different things, because Nick, you and I do tend to think alike from time to time. Uh, and again, right here, I'm passing on Benny for the same reasons. He's not really much of a threat on offense. They weren't utilizing him there um, for a roster spot in which we're hoping that they can fill and bringing in someone who can be more of that offensive threat. It's not Benny. And again, maybe they bring him on a very friendly deal, and he's just that special teams guy for a million dollars, and that's fine. Um, but then if that's the case, you have to look at Mazel's spot and find a way to you know replace that. And of course, Jordan Howard plays in this equation as well, his future. But in terms of Benny, I feel like we know what we get. It's not overly great. Uh, he's decent on special teams. Um, he came in, I believe he was like the leading kickoff returner in NFL history in terms of like yards per kick return. When he first came in, we got really excited about that. Obviously, he hasn't even grown into a full-time kick returner on this team. We haven't found who that person is yet. Uh, Benny's a little bit too slow, I would say, to even really hold that role. Uh, so for me, I believe you can find better veteran options if you're looking for that veteran back on your team to play a special teams hybrid role um, than Benny Cunningham. But again, if they do like him in the locker room, it could be even if we're saying pass right now from our perspective, he may be worth a million dollars for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy just for that veteran presence, someone who's been around for quite some time and someone they don't have to worry about. So for me, I'm passing, but I want to be surprised, surprised if they want to play him as well. Moving on to number four, what about Brian Witzman? I'm going to play uh, Witzman just for the sole purpose that they might need depth on that position. What are you laughing at, Will? Yeah, I'm, I'm playing him too. He's going to oh, be okay. cheap. He's going to be good, cheap, interior depth. And if you yeah. take him to training camp on the on a cheap deal and he ends up getting beat out by if you take a third round pick or a fourth round offensive lineman and they find a way to weasel through and knock him off the depth chart, that's a good problem to have. So I think you bring him in because he did have some issues early on, but once he got settled here, mm -hmm. he did a good job. And he's not going to be overly expensive. The Bears don't have a lot of cap room to begin with. So anytime you can find good quality depth at a good price, which I guess almost counters what we just said for Benny Cunningham. But for the <laughs> offensive line, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to, I'm going to play him. Anything yeah, else I mean, you want to add? Also, like I said, like we were just talking about Kyle Long and his injury history. He's a guy that stepped up. And like you said, over time got better. And you look at that, that game against the Rams did a pretty good job against Aaron Donald, even when he was on one-on-one -on -one situations, tough to guard that guy. So I, I that's why, for the reasons uh, that we just talked about, he probably will be on this team next year. All right, and let's go back to the backfield with a fullback, though. Michael Burton. This is interesting because I would say, in terms of skills, it would make sense to bring him back. But, Nick, do you you were looking at uh, snap uh, differential. Do you have, like, a number on how many snaps he played? Because it wasn't a lot. Yeah, he actually played 49 plays on offense, which is 4.56%. Then he only played 50 plays on special teams, which is, well, 11.76 for him. But look, it, he wasn't really even on the active roster for most games when you think about it. So I don't know if he has a place here. He is, I'm pretty certain he's Mitch Trubisky's roommate. So it would be kind of a, I don't know, a weird situation if you say, you're gone. You're still going to live with me, though, so I don't know how that's going to work. But I'm for right now, I'm actually passing on Burton. I think I passed on him last year, and he somehow made it. So he's maybe going to be the new Joshua Bellamy. And it's not that he's 
bad or anything. I just don't know if he the fullback position is a dying position in the NFL. It really is. Uh, had Michael Burton been, you know, in the NFL like 10 years ago, all right, perfect for him. But that's not the case right now. So right now I'm going to pass on Burton, you know, bring our, uh, the guy Ryan Nall. No, I, I have no idea. I'm just putting it out there for, you know, fans uh, to hear that. But I'm going to pass on him. Same. <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> we, mean- we need Brandon out here to maybe just get some differing opinions. But, hey, I mean, I mean realistically, that's what I think It makes sense. It does. And yeah. if he's only going to be on offense, you said it was like, what, 5%? It wasn't a lot. Yeah. So it's it doesn't make any sense, again, unless it's a cheap deal and it's just to keep Trubisky happy at home, okay? I guess that might be worth it as well, but yeah. I mean, it's interesting because at training camp, when we're down there, especially early on, they used him so much so and much <laughs> it was such a it was such a false flag event it was just like hey <laughs> we are gonna use our fullback and we're like wow okay they're gonna use the fullback and then he just ended up falling off the face of the earth as soon as the regular season kind of came through and i don't know I, I just like you said i don't envision a role for him on this offense so that's why i'm passing but if they want to keep a fullback around they have that option from a week to week kind of game plan if they believe they can really use a fullback to exploit a certain team then it also would make sense for bringing him back because he's familiar with it. There's not many fullbacks out there. So I, you know, I say pass from our perspective, but if they want to play him, I'm not, you're not going to hear me gripe about it all too much. Yeah. I mean, the big thing, if they, the bears pass on him, it's going to be an opening for her to be Mitch Trubisky's roommate, just saying out there. So put in your applications if he is accepting any. Interesting. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to help with the least Mitch. You can handle that. <laughs> All right, moving forward, let's look at the tight end because we do have three of them. And let's begin with the most interesting one, of course. Let's talk about Zach Miller because obviously we have high doubts about his football career and of being uh, anything they can really get back in terms of being on the field. Um, but I do believe that if he's still needing treatment, the Bears might find a way to keep him under contract so he can receive the best medical care. It seems like he's really progressing in a good you know, kind of way here. But I'd be curious, what would you do with him? I have him, and I, I don't have pass or play. I have him staying as an assistant tight end coach. Hello. You looked at my notes. We looked Get at each other here. before the show. I have, so I wrote down play, but I, it's, he's just going to be around the team in some form or fashion and probably a tight end coach. Wasn't he already starting to do that this season? Just kind exactly. of exactly. He's kind of getting into that role. Look, if there's anyone who's deserving to play another down of football again, it's absolutely Zach Miller, just because of the guy, the work, everything that he puts into him, what he embodies as a person. But we just don't know if that's going to happen. Obviously, his injury was, you know, he almost lost his leg from with that Saints game. But I just don't know if he's ready to play football in 2019. Uh, wish him the best of luck. But I think the Bears will find a way. Bring him in back as his tight ends coach. Look, this city has embraced Zach Miller so much. He means so much to, to, to the city of Chicago and to everyone who loves the Bears. So I think he will be here. They're not, not, pl- not as a player, but he definitely will be here. And he's going to help out, you know, his tight end locker room. And however he can, he'll help this this team. Yeah, if they do sign him to a player contract, of course, he'd be on the physical and unable to perform list yet again. But really, when you think about it, I think he's really became over the... And he was doing it before the injury, but becoming a Chicago Bear through and through. Uh, whereas 
even if things kind of went, I think he'd always be a Chicago Bear, even though he started his career other places. I think this is now home for him, both from a locker room standpoint, uh, the fans as well, like you said, embracing him. But really, anytime you're at training camp or we're at a couple of the preseason games, he and Ryan Pace are pretty close. Like, they're real tight. And I believe that's going to really help that relationship, is going to keep him around in some capacity, either if it is under a player contract, you know, the veteran minimum again, or if they transition him into a coaching role that he said he's open on. I think this is how it'll happen. Ryan's going to go to Zach. Hey, what are your thoughts? Do you want to retire? Are you ready to call it in? Do you want to hang up the cleats? Do you want to become a coach? If so, you know that you have that spot here. Do you want to still be, uh, are you still keeping your playing hopes alive? If so, I'm here to support you in that way too. No matter which way you want to go about it, we can be here. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. To help you out. I think that's what the Bears are going to do here. This will be a decision on Zach Miller. If he wants to be a coach now, he can do it. If he wants to still keep hope that he can come one day return to the field, I think the Bears will be in that position of like, okay, we will still be here to support you in that role as well. And I think that makes sense for all parties involved. Yeah, I mean, it does. And I hope it does happen because Zach Miller, just a great guy. He really is. Um, He just had, man, he was just on some some special. There was something that they did for the Super Bowl in ESPN. A kid lost his leg and he showed up to one of his games. Just the kid automatically just lit up. It was, it was great. So just a great guy. I hope he's still on the team. Exactly. In some capacity, whatever it is. Some, yeah, we want to whatever be- capacity. Yep. Stay in Chicago. Come on the podcast. This is long overdue. Yeah, come on the podcast. We've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. All right, moving on to the other tight ends here. Ben Broniker, pass or play? I'm playing Ben Broniker. They need depth at that position because we don't know about Adam Shaheen. Daniel Brown? I'm stop playing it for the exact same reasons. The exact same reasons. I have it. I just copy and paste it. <laughs> I'm going to copy and paste your answers because I have Ben Broniker and Daniel Brown. Like you said, Brown, I believe he has the talent to uh, embody a bigger role if the need be. And Ben Broniker, when he uh, he had one of those games last year, I don't remember the exact opponent right now, but it was towards the end of the year when his number was called upon a few times in some clutch situations over the middle of the field. And he proved right there that I can make some of these catches. I can be that guy for you. If everyone else is paying attention to Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, throw me in there. No one's going to be looking at me and I'll, you know, I'll have the sure hands. I can find the soft spot in the zone and make the defense pay for not wanting to pay attention to me. So he's that guy. And even looking at the uh, rest of the free agent tight end class in terms of, if you want to have like, comparable players like in terms of age and experience doesn't really get much better than both Ben, ben Broniker and Daniel Brown. Uh, they're very uh, comparable in that regard. So for me, I bring them both in. And then on top of that, you dump Deion Sims. Uh, he's not on here because he still technically <laughs> has a contract for next year. Doubt he gets to that stage. But after that, then you find that that spot that's open. Then you either draft someone else or you find another veteran tight end and free agency that you're very optimistic about fulfilling a role but right now i'd keep those two as well uh until you find anything better even though they did disappoint me last year i don't think it's really as much on them as much as their opportunities and they didn't have a bunch of those so hopefully they get more and if that's not the direction the offense is going then don't use all those uh you know roster spots on some of these side ends that they're going to just sit out on sunday just my two cents i hope to see them play and last but not least rashad coward 
passive play. I am. I'm playing Rashad Coward. So I what did we go nine for nine? <laughs> nine for nine. We suck. Well, or we're really good because that's true. A roster, and then you're going to come back to this podcast saying we already knew nine people. Well, more than nine. Uh, but play the Bears. I think they they should have some depth at tackle. They, they had the benefit of Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey uh, being healthy the entire season. I don't know if any of those guys actually missed a snap other than the Minnesota game where they, I, I think they were still in there. So they just were very healthy at the tackle position. And right now, Bradley Saul does have, I think, the upper edge at who would get into a game uh, first uh, at tackle. But I think you play Rashad Coward. You never know when you're going to need a backup tackle. And he was uh, doing some good things in camp, you know, being on the opposite side of the ball to start off his career and then moving over. He's uh, transitioned pretty well. I was impressed with him. I mean, there are people in preseason, and it wasn't us. I mean, we knew there's still room to grow, but people were seeing flashes of him being able to potentially replace um, a Bobby Massey. And I believe that the Bears saw some of that as well, at least, uh, you know, the raw talent, the potential there, and Harry Heastand as well, because for them to take someone who went from nose tackle, uh, flipping sides of the ball to a right tackle, who, again, he looked very natural at the position, which was really impressive, um, because we thought we're going to see him really uh, struggle to grasp what was asked of him, to get into his splits. He did all that and then some, uh, and especially in game situations. I remember being there, uh, not just the Hall of Fame game, but uh, the following week, uh, the pregame, uh, pregame, preseason game in Cincinnati, where he's just taking guys, you know, consistently. And I believe that you can't have too much talent on your offensive line, and you can't have too much cheap talent on your offensive line. And Rashad Coward's not gonna. You know, he's not going to garner a huge contract by any means. And again, if you bring him in uh, just for him to sit on the practice squad, even for another year, that might be worth it because he could end up being that diamond in the rough. He could end up being, if the Bears in two years want to move on from Bobby Massey, once that deal kind of gets a little bit more friendly, that could be Rashad Coward's job that he just kind of walks into and is groomed for over this time. So for me, they kept him around for a reason. And I believe that there's no reason uh, to let him go now and find a way to do this for another team. I'd keep him here and keep him on a practice squad if you need to to save the roster spot. But as long as he's under contract, I would definitely play Rashad Coward. So, yeah, Nick, nine for nine. Nine for nine. I'm sorry there wasn't a lot of uh, diversity in the pass or play segment. Maybe that's why we just didn't rename it. Great minds think alike. And now they're all going to end up on on the roster or not on the roster. They're going to be all according to our little segment there. Oh, of course. I mean, that's just how things work. Duh, it's like mock drafts. Like everything you put out, it's all right. 100%. 100% mock drafts all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm still waiting for my 100% mock draft. I did. I was 100% in the first round last year. One for one, Roquan Smith. Uh, the only pick I've actually gotten right, and it wasn't even the right round, was Jonathan Bullard. I had him in the second. He went in the third. So I'm like, I'll, I'll hold on to that, I guess. Whatever he, that's worth. He hasn't even lived up to the third <laughs> round hype yet. No. So maybe I shouldn't own up to it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a discussion for next week. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about John Biller and everyone else here in a week. But real quick, this has actually gone a lot longer than I thought with just the two of us, which, yeah. uh, you know, I was going to say shame on you, but I don't I don't I'm not mad about it. Uh, so good for you. Good for us. For having yeah. a, you know, we all day for the last week when we've been preparing for this episode, uh, we planned on having uh, the normal crew, uh, Brandon, Nick and myself. And uh, last minute, Brandon had some work things come up where he was unable to make the show. So. Yeah, we've I, we stepped in more. So I'm actually maybe glad Brandon's not here. We'll be on <laughs> for much longer. But let's get into these fan questions to kind of wrap up this show, Nick. Uh, first one comes from our moderator here on YouTube, Tristan. Uh, number one, thanks for moderating. Really appreciate all the work that you do. 
Uh, same to you as well as Travis, our other moderator. Uh, so keep up the good work there in the chat. I know it's off season, so I'm sure there's less trolls and in season, but uh, regardless, <laughs> definitely uh, appreciate everything that you guys do to keep our uh, chat a very open, friendly atmosphere because we do strive to have that here on the Chicago Audible. But Nick, what from the previous season would you like to see carried over and going towards the next? Wide open about the offense. So what from the last year do you want to see carried over? Uh, just Matt Nagy and what he was able to do, uh, scheming people open. Because regardless of the game, there were guys wide open in the offense. So I think if Matt Nagy can bring that versi- that creative play calling, that imaginative play calling, whatever synonym you want to put in there, that's going to benefit the offense because it's only going to get better with the continuity growing from that first season to 2019. So I think if Matt Nagy can bring that, which I know he will, this offense will be in good shape. I felt like you and I answered the Jordan Howard questions enough, right? Do you think because the question I have is a lot of them about Jordan Howard, and I summarized there uh, saying why is he overlooked and undervalued, and why is that people still talking about him and potentially being gone? Um, I believe he's overlooked and undervalued because he's not a, I'm going to use the word sexy here. He's not a sexy back. He doesn't play in a sexy fashion. He's not going to give you all these flash highlight plays. So people, I would say in 2019, want that. They want someone who can take, you know, take it 90 yards. They want someone who can just burn right through a defense, uh, you know, make these highlight moves uh, that are on, you know, the SC top 10. You're not going to get that with Jordan Howard. You know, he's a north and south runner, a one cut kind of guy uh, who doesn't have the closing speed. So he's going to, he's effective, but he's not overly impressive, if that makes sense. So I think that's why he's overlooked slash maybe undervalued a little bit here in Chicago. Is there anything else you want to add about Howard? You know, I think they just, uh, with him, you just want Nagy to have the running back that he truly wants in this offense. Someone who is versatile. Look, Jordan Howard does a lot of great things, but I wouldn't consider Howard versatile. So I think that's why you have all these question marks, why Kareem Hunt keeps being brought up. That's the reason why. And that's why, like I said, I ultimately don't think he's going to be on this team in 2019. Now, from St. Ira on uh, Twitter, uh, the question is, how will the Bears go about not relying so much on their U tight end? Because um, he felt that we, meaning the Bears, had some similar problems as Kansas City did last year when Travis Kelsey got injured. Um, so I was curious to that, because that's actually a really good question, because we did rely a little bit uh, heavily on the U tight end. But as we've gone through this show, I believe we kind of given some of these answers, but not really directly. Uh, we need a running back on top of Tariq Cohen who can be a little bit more reliable as a receiver, someone who can really uh, shift some attention to the perimeter if they do go out in that area, whereas Jordan Howard, like you said, Nick, he's a decoy, but really not really. He doesn't really work as that role. We need someone who can fulfill that. We need these wide receivers to take another step forward, and I think those two combined are really going to help the Bears not rely so much on their, you know, that Trey Burton kind of role, but it's gonna, no, no matter what, even if it's not as heavily reliant, it's going to be a huge part of this offense in 2019. They're not going to really diminish it by any means, but it is always good to have alternate routes of success. And so I believe that we kind of highlighted it, adding another versatile running back and having these wide receivers uh, take that next step forward, I think are the two ways that the Bears can quickly not have to rely so much on that U tight end. How about you? And also if they get some production out of the Y tight end, somebody to go and catch the, whether that is Shaheen and Sims will not be here and whoever else is that backup. That's how you can also get some uh, where you don't have to rely so much on that. And I think the bears have the right mentality. They spread the ball out to whoever there's never, this is the number one guy um, except for that, that Eagles game where Allen Robinson was the guy, but the bears have the right mentality where you don't need 
You don't absolutely need to focus in on one guy, get your U tight end, um, Trey Burden involved every single game, and he wasn't involved every single game. So they have that mentality where they can spread it out. Uh, anybody who's open can get the ball. Anybody can get the ball at any moment in this offense. So that's why um, they're not going to have to rely on just one position. All right. And now from our subscriber here on YouTube, we took some YouTube questions today before in the community tab of our channel, which is a really cool feature. I'm excited to use that more this year in 2019. So if you're here on YouTube listening, uh, definitely keep your eyes on that. Hopefully you get notifications. I think you have to hit a bell or something like that. So definitely hit that if you haven't yet. Uh, that way you're, uh, you get notified each and every time we post something. Uh, we're not going to post a bunch. So definitely we won't like, you know, barrage you with notifications by any means but if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode or if you want to keep up with us in the community tab uh, definitely make sure you subscribe to our channel Um, but his name is bear down on here on youtube and it's just general thoughts on moving daniels to center and white hair to guard we've heard this one before right and obviously in college they're kind of flip-flop from their what we can call natural positions uh, what do you think do you keep it how it is do you experiment early on in otas i think if i do test the waters, I would do it sooner rather than later. Um, but I believe there was no issues last year. I don't think Cody was, you know, limiting, um, as a center. I don't think James felt out of place at guard. Um, so even though collegiately they were at opposite positions, I'm not opposed to keeping them where they're at right now. How about you? Yeah, just keep that consistency on the offensive line. Guard with James Daniels, left guard with James Daniels, and then center with Cody Whitehair. Yes, they they did flop those in in college, but they transitioned well. Um, The biggest uh, thing that Cody Whitehair had to deal with was the snapping issues. He solved those last year for the most part. You didn't you didn't really see any uh, you know high snaps from him or you know anything like that. So uh, keep the continuity the same going forward. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is comfortable and familiar with Cody Whitehair being the center. Keep it that way and don't have to, you know, create another complication moving forward. Even though both players are definitely capable of doing it, don't even test those waters. It's like when they kept moving uh, Whitehair, you know, left and right and center. And it's just like, get him in a spot where he can get comfortable. And I think he's been center for long enough here in multiple offenses in this league where there's no reason to move him over. He's only going to get better. I mean, he's only going to continue to improve. And the same for Daniels at you know at guard. But the fact that they're interchangeable is a plus because if a guard goes down and your best move is to, uh, of course, maybe shift White here over and then shift Daniels over, or if it's just to you know flip flop Daniels, or if say God forbid something happens to Cody and you need another center and Daniels can fit that bill then you're in a good spot as well. So even though I would say the best move of the Bears are to keep it consistent because I think offensive line, one of the key determinants of success is consistency. The fact that they are interchangeable in a way is an added bonus that shouldn't be overlooked um, that we can kind of keep in our back pocket just in case some emergency arises and we need to kind of, you know, pull out that wild card a little bit if you want to sort of speak. All right, one more fan question, Nick, and we're going to get out from Sergio, and I thought this would be the best one to end with. What are your expectations from the Bears offense next season as a whole? Top five or middle of the pack? Oh, they're not middle of the pack. I'll give them top five if those are my only options. I think this is an offense where you're going to see a lot of things just get better from, you know, 2018. They did a lot of good things. They really did. And that's just from Matt Nagy's play calling, from Mitch Trubisky to the wide receiver staying healthy and just developing with Mitch, uh, maybe getting some productive production out of Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton taking that look this is set up right now to where this offense it can be deadly because I would say obviously the strength of this team last year was defense and the offense at times did not meet those expectations but it did at times so top five 
hey, I wouldn't say that they couldn't do it. I mean, I think that Matt Nagy, as a play caller, could just scheme people open to exploit these defenses and have Mitch Trubisky take that next step like I'm anticipating. Top five is definitely something that they're capable of doing. I remember writing an article saying that they were going to be a top 10 offense this season. For the most part, a lot of the statistics will kind of show that. I definitely would expect a lot of growth come 2019. Yeah. I mean, again, 21st in yards per game, which obviously there's room to improve there. But when you're still ninth in points per game, granted, the defense put them in some very favorable situations. But that goes back and forth because that gives them less yards to gain um, additionally. So obviously you're going to be a little bit lower in the pack if your defense is giving you shorter fields. And you found a way to convert on most of those with being ninth in points per game scored on offense. Um, 11th in rushing, 11th on third down, 11th in red zone efficiency, with the only bugaboo being 21st in passing. So if Mitch takes that next step that we're all expecting, like you said, they could be a top five offense. Now it is February. Things can <laughs> definitely change. Expectations can shift. But at this time last year, we're looking at a very similar Bears defense at, at the cusp of like top 10 in a lot of categories. And we thought with one more year, they can maybe jump into the top five. And then Khalil Mack happened, and then we're like, oh, maybe top three, and then look what happened. In many ways, they were the best defense in all of football. So I believe the same could happen on offense, especially now as they're going through that 202 phase that Matt Nagy's calling here with them taking the next steps, becoming more comfortable, growing with one another, and being able to do more things pre-snap. That's really going to help this offense. So for me, I say top five is obtainable. I say even if they finish in the top 10, I'm not going to be disappointed in this unit uh, overall. I think if you just see steady growth, even if it's just slight growth into the top 10, coupled with this Bears defense, it should be another fun season ahead. But if the Bears offense wants to jump into the top five and join that top five, top three best defense in the NFL, no complaints here. That'll make 2019, 2020. Uh, obviously something to be seen, and I'm excited to see if that comes to fruition. But regardless, expectations are only getting better. They're very close to the top 10 in a lot of categories. So just getting in there, again, more than obtainable. Nick, any final words before we head off? Not really. My pre-workout is kicking right now. I've been drinking out of that red bottle that you maybe have seen as uh, this podcast going on. But, hey, we 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 had a really good discussion here. We really did. I mean – for not having a podcast last week and just breaking it down on the offense. We did it. It was a lot of fun, though. Great it to was. be back. It, I know. Like you and I were talking about, like just how excited we were to hit the airwaves yet again. It's unfortunate that we had to take a week off. It was just due to, you know, weather and delays and everyone's schedule getting crazy. Brandon had a birthday. Uh, things were just a little bit nuts. I was under the weather for a few days as well. I took like a 20 hour sleep because I was just so sick. A uh, fun fact about me. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree, Nick. This is a really fun talk. I'm excited to kind of flip the script here, though, and talk about the Bears' defense next week for the second iteration of the State of the Franchise. And I'm still holding my breath so when we have to do the special teams version of because that one is probably going to be uh, the overhaul kind of show that we're all kind of expecting. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Real quick on YouTube, just in case you missed the opening of the show, we're really close to 5,000 subscribers. Help us out. And once we reach that, we're going to have a, I'll call it like a 5,000, like a 5K subscriber party. We'll come on here on YouTube, just do an informal event, hang out with you, talk with you, you know, just discuss one-on-one -on -one here in the chat as well. Maybe get some questions about us 
um, and as a personal life or more Bears questions as well, we're here to answer them. But I figured we could do something fun for you guys here on YouTube that can help us just get to that 5,000 mark. We're very close, and we hope we can get there here soon. And again, we all know just how boring the offseason can be. And of course, our goal here at the Chicago Audible is help the time go by as quickly as possible. And of course, to keep you entertained along the way. So make sure to stick with us. We'll be back for the State of the Franchise episode on the defense next week. So yeah, we'll do everything we just did, but about the uh, the side of the ball that even has less changes uh, coming its way. So until then, hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you soon. But of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.